0: Please be seated, friends, and turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 73. We want to read this psalm and consider what it says. It is a psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling, my steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant, as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens, and their their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore his people return to this place, and waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, How does God know? And is their knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and washed my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long, and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children, When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Surely you have set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, that I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. This is the Lord's word. Would you bow with me? Again, O Lord, uh, what a tremendous blessing to be able to read your word and to hear um, the thoughts of this Uh, psalmist to read of his wranglings, his struggles, and to know, Lord, that by your divine providence you guided his pen that he should write these words, that these would be instructive and also encouraging to us in the very days in which we find ourselves. Father, we pray your blessing would be upon now your servant and upon these your people, both in this place and who may be joining us from afar. We ask, O Lord, that your blessing will be upon your word that it will accomplish uh, what you have designed for it to accomplish and that you will use it, Father, to strengthen and encourage your people uh, until that day when you will return to bring us home. We give give you ourselves and now this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I mentioned this morning in Sunday school that uh, the annual conference of the World Economic Forum is just hours away from starting in Davos, Switzerland. Um, A large conference, a large meeting, 2,700 leaders, 130 countries represented and 52 heads of state and government will be flying in on their private jets, boating um, I suppose to Italy somewhere (laughs) in order to drive over the border into Switzerland. Men and women who will gather, who will uh, proceed to tell us um, how we're destroying the earth with our ovens and telling us that we should really convert to electric vehicles and who will tell us that um, our gas stoves are bad for us. These elite men and women will go. They have no pains. They seem to have all the money in the world. They sit on their big fat yachts and they bask in the sun while the rest of us work to try to make sure our insurance premiums are paid and that our basements don't flood when the snow melts. Mm -hmm. We have before us a timeless psalm. I love, absolutely love this psalm. I've preached on it several times over the year. It's a psalm that I find ministers to me greatly and I find that it's important because I, like Asaph, become tied in knots when I consider and after what we heard last night with uh, the representative who came and spoke, and she speaks about she spoke about all these elites and all the things that they do. How is it that a politician can go in uh, to government relatively poor and come out being rich as Croesus? Yeah, I don't understand it. And it just seems terribly wrong, and you see these injustices and you just become embittered. In your heart you become angry and say this is not just it's not just this psalm deals with this type of situation and these are the situations we are faced with have you ever questioned to yourself why bother living like a christian what is the point of striving to be faithful why walk the upright life why strive to be moral why strive to be pure why be honest why be a man or a woman of integrity why bother serving the lord at school at work or in the midst of my relationships. Have you ever asked yourself this? What good does it do? I've asked myself that a thousand times. How can it be that you try to play fair and the people who cheat just cheat? And you try to be patient and say, no, that's not the way we do that, right? Like we heard last night, oh, you're to be a statesman. You be a statesman. You convince them that this is the way you should do it. And, of course, they will all come and yet what she said was true. We make the mistake of thinking that they are looking at life through the same grid that we look at it through. The faithless, the dishonest, the immoral, the person who cheats, who blasphemes the Lord's name, who is lewd and belittles sacred things, he lives well and he lives long. Cheaters always prosper. That's the message that we we hear in our heads. When we look at the evil man and how good he has it, uh, the payout bribes, he gets what he wants. The Christian is bound by commandments and ends up having more difficulty. You see the inequity and you want to scream like a child, not fair. Satan assails us at these times and we can hear him whisper and say, Has God really said? Has He really said? Is there any justice? Is there any equity? Here, Psalm 73, uh, again, a psalm of Asaph, founder of one of the temple choirs. He records his struggle with envying the wicked and their prosperity. And he records the remedy for such a struggle, which is not very different from what we looked at this morning. The remedy is turn your eyes upon Jesus. It's really, it's, it's such an important message for us to keep in mind as we watch the news and as we hear these things. By gazing upon the glory of God, it puts such struggles with the world into a proper perspective. Any struggle, really. Here, Asaph spoke hundreds of years before the time of our Lord's appearance. And he spoke looking at types and and shadows, at symbols. And today we see an even brighter, more glorious image of God in the person and work of our Lord Jesus, which is the remedy our covetous hearts need in order to make us see That surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart what we do need to recognize first of all is in regard to the wicked know that what you see and that what you experience is not what will be I think that's the main thing you should remember here is know that what you see and what you experience what we hear when all of the pundits All the conservative pundits point out all the hypocrisies that we're going to see flying into Davos. Uh, We watch the news clips. Just remember that what you see and what you experience is not what will be. Listen again to verses 1 through 16. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. This is the conclusion. Of of everything that goes on. He starts with this, but, he says, but as for me, my feet came close to stumbling, my steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace, the garment of violence covers them, their eye Bulges from fatness, the imaginations of their heart run riot, they mock and wickedly speak of oppression, they speak from on high, they have set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore, his people return to this place, and waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, How does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I ponder to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. He is having a colossal struggle here. And and I have to say, uh, as I have said, I love this psalm. I think I have identified with this psalm probably more than any of the other 150 psalms because he's a man who is identifying with the struggles that he feels. He looks at the world around him and says, this is not right. This is not right. He is envious. He struggles with with envy of the arrogant, of those who talk big. As he looked upon them, they are wicked and they are wealthy. Envious of them because he is not wealthy. He's a choir director in the Lord's worship. And and don't we oftentimes think? And I I I have to confess that even as a minister, there have been times I said, "Why is it that they get to drive that, or they get to buy that, or they get to go do this?" And I felt such a sharp rebuke from the Lord. You don't. What are you missing? You've got the best. I thought about this as I was reading concerning the Levites and they were doling out the land. And Well, the Levites don't get any land. <laughs> they they get to work in the temple. This was a privilege. And, and so it is so easy for us to look at the world and say, well, look what they've got. Look how good they have it. Look at these rich fat cats flying in on their private jets. Look at them sitting on a, a boat, sitting off of you know the the south side of france morocco and and floating around basking in the sun and look at you buried up to your eyeballs in snow <laughs> it is so easy for us to become envious and he was envious so envious in fact that his feet came close to stumbling he says his feet almost slipped He nearly sinned, and his mouth had nearly betrayed the generation of the Lord's children. His heart was embittered. He was pierced within, senseless and ignorant like an animal. It's not fair that the saints of God who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways, should suffer hardship while the wicked man and woman seem to prosper. How do they prosper? They don't have pains in their death. Their body is fat. They don't seem to have problems like others, they are puffed up, they strut around, they are violent, their eyes bulge from fatness, which means they have such opulence, such indulgence, so Imagine their faces are puffed, they lack nothing, their imaginations run riot, they oppress those underneath them, they challenge God, they have success at every turn, and they have no fear of God. How does God know, and is their knowledge with the Most High? Listen to his observations of the wicked and tell me, have you ever thought this way? I think this way every time I hear about one of these annual conferences of the World Economic Forum. Who are these guys? Where do they get off saying the things that they say? How come they can be so evil and people just drink in what they say as if they were gods themselves? It's infuriating, but you see... How, how appropriate and how applicable the word of God is to us. And what a blessing that the Lord had Asaph write this psalm. He says, Behold, these are the wicked, and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. And Asaph laments the vanity of obedience. Listen to verses 13 and 14. He says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and washed my hands in innocence. I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. As he considered how the wicked live and how they live in prosperity, this was his conclusion. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. What's the point of all of this? This is the way it goes so often. We throw up our arms and say, I quit. What's the use of even trying to be wholehearted in devotion to the Lord there is no benefit to be found. And this is where Satan wants us. That's where he wants us to stop. To, to see and hear about what the wicked are doing, how our politicians going into the government and, and living fat off our dime and taxing us. And then we say, there's no justice. It was interesting, last night we had, um, I was talking to the lady who presented and she says, you know, I, I labor for this ideal of liberty, and I will never see it. And she said, she motioned at me, knowing I'm a pastor, and she said, we will never see victory. And I said, "On contraire. <laughs> I said, I'm going to see victory. That's the hope I have. I'm going to see victory. You may not, but I'm going to. That's the hope I have. Is that the Lord is going to send set everything straight, and and so this this is where Satan wants us. He wants Christians to to quit because evil abounds in the world and all around us. He wants us to look at the world around us and say it's it's just too big and and I, I don't I don't want to deal with it anymore. If you can't beat them, join them. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 24? Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. And this is a time when we see all of this evil going on. This is not the time for, our, for us to let our love grow cold for those around us. I appreciate so much. Um, I, I need to say this. I appreciate so much the older saints in this congregation who you see things, and yet you don't seem to be so worked up as I feel inside. Maybe you just cover it well. Um, our brother Bill has reminded us several times, we need to continue to be kind and not lose heart. We need to continue to pray for them and open, share the gospel with them. I appreciate those admonitions because I want to go ballistic. I do, and I, I hope it's just a young, stupid man thing, youngish, stupid man thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that someday when I'm 90, I'm like the Apostle John who speaks of love i hope that'll be me um but this is where satan wants us this is where he wants to get us you know just just throw up your hands and curse curse the situation cause the people of god to stumble and to lose heart and to say yep it's all pointless it's all worthless let's just forget about it what a bad thing that would be i know it can be terribly frustrating but when you find yourself becoming indignant with shysters and um, mechanics and county workers and tax assessors and politicians, and when you begin to think, I'll just do what they do, God doesn't care. My friends, watch out. You're in a very dangerous place at that point. You are close to the edge, and you have forgotten. It is at that moment you must remember that what you see that is the wicked prospering is not what will be what we see the wick when we see the wicked prospering it is not what will be and andrea you remind me of this when i start shouting at the television set this is not their end this is not their end verse 17 we see this he says And the psalm turns on this point. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. The grandeur of man's wicked state comes to an end in the light of the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross puts everything in perspective. It it snaps everything back to where it ought to go. Again, Asaph is deeply troubled by the inequality under the sun. This, in his mind, is truly a strange providence, and it makes no sense to him. Until, he says, I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived therein. And again, this is the turning point in the psalm. He is angry about the prosperity, the ease of the wicked, until he came into the sanctuary of God. It wasn't until he got his eyes off of his neighbor's greener grass and gazed upon the Lord that his bitterness subsided, his sense came back to him, His covetousness was turned to satisfaction and peace was restored. We are always envious of others as long as we think that what they have is better than what we have. It was when he came to the sanctuary of God that Asaph thinks better. He goes to the temple, that place that is set apart as holy unto the Lord, where his name was, where his holiness sets veiled behind a curtain, Where only the high priest could go, where only the sacrifice, a blood atonement, can make it possible to enter. He sees the building, which is a type of heaven. It's beautiful and it's rich. And he understands from the sights, the sounds, the smells, the singing to God, his word, and God as his object of worship, as opposed to the trinkets of this world, he understands that he has something so much better, something so wonderful. How often we forget this do you understand the privilege, the blessing it is that you at one point in your history were not sitting in a church on a Sunday you were enticed by the world and we are enticed even today to think that there are things that are more desirable more beautiful than the Lord there are thousands of people across the world who would give their lives gladly risk their lives gladly if they could just get a hold of a bible if they could just come and worship without fear of being shot or arrested or imprisoned do you understand the privilege that has been given to us i want to read to us several passages of scripture that will help us i believe understand asaph's mindset as he approached the temple, when he says, Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. We sang Holy, Holy, Holy tonight is based on this passage of scripture, Isaiah 6. Isaiah writes, In the year of King Isaiah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, And with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is what Asaph is experiencing when he sees the temple. He gets a glimpse, a glimmer of the holiness of the Lord, of his justice. If you turn over to Daniel chapter 7, we read this in verses 9 and 10 and 13 and 14. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The courts sat, and the books were opened. And then he says in verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold... With the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Then back to Isaiah chapter 55, we read this. one through seven. Ho oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. According to the faithful mercy shown to David, behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. We see, we see his might, we see the Lord's holiness, we see and read of his sovereignty and we see in the scriptures also his mercy. This holy and righteous God Who the sight of him would terrify, would cause the people of God to tremble. And then we see his mercy, making provision for the nations to come into the temple to pray. My friends, they had, Asaph had only types, things which pointed the faithful heart to the day that the Messiah would come and set everything straight. But we know this Messiah. We know him of whom Isaiah wrote that his name is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. We know this one, whose name is Emmanuel, God with us, whose name is Jesus, who saves his people from their sins. We see his glory displayed at the cross. We see his holiness. We see that sin had to be punished, and he punished his sin. We see his mercy in the fact that he punished his son instead of us. that he died in our place we see his might and that he was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead coming to worship God and seeing all that he has done for us and we know now even more than the psalmist knew and we perceive their end you see how looking at Jesus Christ helps put everything in perspective regarding these rich and wicked and wealthy men These cats who say we know better and you will do this and we will not submit to the Almighty. And we we stand back and marvel at how could anyone say such things? How could they do this? We perceive their end. That is God's holiness, his infinite being, his mercy show that the wicked in their grandeur will come to a sudden and furious end. Their wickedness will be judged. They will not get away with it forever. They will not. And so again, listen now to 18 through 20, where he says, Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream, when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. Listen to Jude. I actually love this passage. I don't know that I've ever read a passage of scripture that I didn't think it was the best and the most awesome. But listen to this. It was about these men that Enoch and the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, "And, and this is the end, the end of time. Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. This is what is the wicked can anticipate. Unless these men and women repent and turn to Jesus Christ, their jets, their yachts, their riches, their, their power plays, we'll, 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 they will get them nothing. We ought to look at them and see the reports and we ought to weep. We ought to weep because a day is coming. This is what will become of those who don't fear the Lord and flee to Christ. They will be judged for their sin and thrown into hell, which will never be satisfied. My friends, if we fail to come back to the cross, if we fail to come back to Christ, we most certainly will spiral spiral downward into futility and hurt one another in the process. And, and, you know, I don't think it's a flippant thing, though I suppose we could say it in a flippant manner, but that when we hear of the wicked, that we would remind each other, ah, yes, but, that's not the rest of the story. The end of the story is, unless they repent, they will not. They will not go further. <clears throat> he says, and this is the result, that God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He is good to the, those who are pure in heart. Listen to 23 through 28. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel you will guide me, and afterward receive me to glory, whom have I in heaven but you, and besides you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me... The nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Do you see the difference? He starts off the psalm saying, I was envious of the wicked. And now the whole thing has flipped. And notice what he says. What's his treasure? What's his joy? It is the Lord Himself. He started out by saying, Surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. The Pure in heart means that um, more than just being clean minded, it includes the idea of being clean minded, but it, it means to be totally committed to God. The pure in heart, if we, we think of silver and we think it's um, sterling silver, is, is a silver that's not mixed with other alloys or, or, or gold, the same type of thing. It's without division or mixture of affection. Does the Christian, the one whose heart is totally committed to the Lord, have anything to envy at in this world? Anything? The answer is no. But rather it is the saint who has all that anyone could ever want. God is good to his people. He sets in contrast here the child of God with the wicked. The wicked perish. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. And he writes, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. God is good to his people. Though we fail and stumble along, he does not cast us away. But our salvation and our standing with him is secure, as he is the one who from beginning to end elects, calls, justifies, sanctifies, preserves, and glorifies us. This, beloved, No amount of money could ever buy. Could never buy it. The wicked have nothing, and we, in contrast, have everything. We have everything. And so he says, whom have I in heaven but you, and besides you I desire, that is, um, I, I desire nothing on earth. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Is it worth being a Christian? It is absolutely worth being a Christian. Is there a point to walking in obedience? Absolutely. Is it a worthless endeavor? Not at all. And you will fight? The world, you will be in constant conflict with the world. The wickedness is here until the Lord Jesus comes and puts a final end to it. My encouragement is is that when we see these things taking place and we hear of all the politicians, and I know we have a congregation full of people who are very concerned about these things, as am I, this is important to remember and not to allow ourselves to become embittered and to grow cold. In light of these things, keep to the course. Don't become jaded and cynical by the evil you see in the world, but rather, as we encourage you this morning, look to Jesus Christ and see that God is good to his people, to those who are pure in heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your word and for this, this word that you breathed that you gave to us for our encouragement. We thank you, Father, that the things we experience as we watch the news and we read of politics, and we've had a lot of it uh, this time, we ask, Father, that you would guard our hearts from becoming embittered, and that we would remember the Lord Jesus, that we will remember your holiness, that we will remember also your mercy, your mercy to us. And we pray that we would seek, Father, you would become be merciful to those who are wicked like we once were trapped in our sins we pray father that you would help us to remember that what we see today will will not always be but a day is coming when you will set all matters right i pray father for my brothers and sisters here i pray for our brothers and sisters across this nation and across this globe asking lord that we would see that your nearness is what is our good And that we have a a treasure in the lord jesus that cannot have a value fixed to it Um, we pray that we would not envy the wicked because we know that their day is coming we pray that we would rejoice um, in christ our salvation i do ask that you would encourage our hearts tonight and we pray that you would keep us safe as we travel to our homes we pray that we will rest well knowing, Lord, that you hold us firmly in your hands. And that you pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen.